For sleep's sake, assisting you with babies, toddlers, and children's safe sleep and settling. Hello and welcome to For Sleep's Sake. This series has been developed to assist you when it comes to babies, toddlers, and children's safe sleep and settling. When it comes to infant and toddler sleep, there is no one size fits all. That is why it's so important for parents and educators to have the most up-to-date and research-based information to assist and guide them. This is especially true when it comes to our children's safety. And today on the show, we'll be discussing the A to Z of safe sleeping, why it's so important, with Cindy Davenport and Jane Wiggle. Cindy Davenport is a registered midwife, maternal and child health nurse, and the director of Turnity Group, the company behind some of Australia's most recognised brands in the antenatal and early parenting education space, which includes Safe Sleep Space, Sleep Smart, and Nourish Baby. Cindy is passionate about the health and well-being of families and offers a sensible, response-based approach to help babies and children with sleep problems. I'm also delighted to welcome Jane Wiggle, Red Nose Chief Midwife and Manager Health and Advocacy Program. Jane's role at Red Nose involves lobbying government to ensure all families have access to life-saving, safe sleep education and the right bereavement support services if the unimaginable does happen, and lending her clinical expertise in the areas of research, advocacy and education. She also works closely with Red Nose's National Scientific Advisory Group, a group of leading researchers and health professionals that recommend research initiatives that become evidence-based safety recommendations to help Australian families. Welcome to the show, Cindy and Jane. Thank you, Simon. It's great to be here. Thanks, Simon. Fantastic. Firstly, Cindy, tell us a bit about why safe sleeping information is so important and what are the parental concerns you often hear at Safe Sleep Space? Some many parents are so concerned about safe sleeping and settling, and, and rightly so, and so they should be. When it comes to their infant, they just want the very, very best. And we know that our evidence-based and best research leads to the best outcomes and best practices for our babies and our toddlers. So we really need parents to be so well-informed right from the word go, from their pregnancy all the way through. And sadly, SIDS and SUDI claim many little lives and these are very, very important issues that we really need to be able to discuss with our families. And as healthcare providers, that is a lot of our role is to ensure that safe sleeping practices are always in place. Jane, parents often hear the term SIDS and SUDI. Can you tell us a little about the difference between the two? Absolutely. So yes, those two terms are quite often used uh, interchangeably and and can be quite confusing. So when we're talking about SUDI, um, S-U-D-I, that's really the sudden unexplained death uh, of an infant. And it's essentially a broad preliminary classification um, that's used to describe a death uh, of a a baby that's not immediately obvious. So that's just prior to it being um, investigated um, clinically. It's often used as an umbrella term. So really it incorporates all sudden and unexpected deaths, including SIDS. The only means to find out how a baby has passed away is via a a full clinical investigation as well as an investigation of where the death had occurred and an autopsy, of course. And then after this, maybe um, a cause is found. So it could be very well um, an accidental asphyxiation because baby was overlaid by too many blankets or perhaps there was no known cause. And when there is no known cause, the baby is given the diagnosis of SIDS, so uh, sudden infant death syndrome. And that's where the onset of the fatal episode has occurred 
sometime during sleep. And what Red Nose is doing is funding research quite vigorously to try and find more answers for parents. And we are getting closer, but there is still a long way to go. I mean, there's, there's so much work in this space that needs to continue to find answers for parents. This leads us to ensuring safety is top of mind at all times. Can you tell us the six steps, Cindy, to sleeping a baby safely? Yes, and and for parents, this is always something that they really try to to remember. And and I think for our parents out there, we we need to sort of remind them that they've got lots of health professionals and lots of support. They're midwives, they're beautiful child health nurses, lots of organisations, including people like ourselves at Safe Sleep Space, who can help them with this. So for parents, it's really fantastic that they reach out if they are at all worried or concerned or or the environment in which they're sleeping their babies. But the six key steps that um, parents need to really keep in mind, and they will be given information, but they need to, to sort of understand each is always sleep your baby on their back from birth, never on their side, never on their tummy or never on their front, always on their back. We uh, always have our babies with their head and face uncovered. That means we never want our babies to be sleeping with any hats or any hoodies or beanies. So, you know, wind cheaters with hoodies up. And this includes all sleep, so daytime and nighttime. And we even say that if a baby is is asleep and you're out, you know, and they're, they're in a pram and they happen to have a hat or a hoodie or a beanie on, take that off as well because babies have a really, the way that they get rid of their heat is out through their biggest area, which is their head. So we need to make sure that the head and face is always uncovered. The third step is, is that uh, always keep your baby smoke free everywhere you can, everywhere possible, in the house, in every single environment. And that's, you know, really essential from birth as well. And we really want our parents to make sure that when they're setting up the, their sleep environments for their infants, and they go to a lot of work to do this, make sure that that environment is so safe. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail, but we really want to make sure that the the baby sleeps independently in their own separate sleep environment so in their own cot in the bedroom of the parents for the first six to 12 months but in their own cot firm flat and really well fitted mattress as well and and if you're buying a cot always make sure that it meets the standards of your country so here in Australia the Australian and New Zealand safety standards and and they have a whole whole list of things that's included in that as well and the final thing is really if you can so always try to breastfeed your baby breastfeeding is so essential and we know that research shows us that there is a protective mechanism so it's not always possible but where the parent can and really trying hard as most parents only will do or most mothers will do is to breastfeed their infant so again those six steps sleep your baby on your back from birth keep their head and face uncovered keep the baby smoke free provide a really safe sleeping environment sleep the baby in their own safe sleeping space but in the parents room for the first six to 12 months and breastfeed if you can jane parents always want to do the right thing by their babies So how can we assist parents with things like setting up a cot safely or should they wrap or swaddle or use a safe wearable sleeping bag? 
Uh, so adding to Cindy's six safe sleep recommendations, what's important to remember is that these recommendations are evidence-based. They've been collaboratively written and they are rigorously scrutinised internationally and have been agreed upon and have been proven. And we yeah, know that absolutely. we reduced SIDS in this country by 85%, which was a huge achievement in and of itself just by following these safe sleep recommendations. But really the underlying little message in all of these is the airway. It's the baby's mm. airway. And we know that little babies are born predominantly with heads that are quite large in proportion to the rest of their body. So they have quite a, a big head, a large occiput at the back. They have a short stumpy neck and a soft little airway, big tongue, um, floppy epiglottis in the back of their throat. And it, all of this anatomy kind of already predisposes them to to the potential for a sleep accident. Now, speaking to parents about that is not intended to alarm them. It's just, you know, this is the anatomy that we're working with. So what can we do as parents and caregivers to keep our children safe and to, and to help them help themselves with their airway? So we know that a little baby with a big head that lies down on, on its back will have a slight flexion of the chin. So the chin will just tilt ever so slightly downwards. So that already predisposes them. So we don't want to add a pillow. We don't want to add anything to that flexion that's going to cause a chin-to-chest position and potentially affect or displace an airway. So we're just constantly reminding our parents, you know, what can we do to help keep that soft little airway? Now, the airway itself is really only about the diameter of a drinking straw, so it's really, really tiny and it's really, really soft. It's very easy um, to displace. So, you know, it's important to think, okay, I have these six safe sleep recommendations. Gee, it feels like a lot. But what I'm doing is is helping my baby maintain a clear airway. Now, when we talk about SIDS, SIDS has often been described as multifactorial in its origin. So it's not mm. something that just happens. It's a series of events that have overlapped, that, that have occurred simultaneously. And these, I guess, events or moments in time really independently of each other aren't going to cause the SIDS. It's the overlapping that does. And it's called the triple risk model. So what we do is we, we begin with an intrinsic factor. So that's the first thing. Number one, intrinsic factor. That's things like prematurity or uh, a male gender or a small for gestational age baby or a baby that was born of a mother who smoked, touching on that um, safe sleep recommendation that Cindy mentioned. And so we have this underlying vulnerability that will make us more um, at risk of a, a SUDI occurring. We then move into the second part of the model, which is the critical development period, which is the zero to six months time period. And that's when babies are really bedding down their homeostasis. So their blood pressure and their, their breathing rate and their heart rate and their circadian rhythm. So they're knowing their day and night and all of these things that are happening again makes them more vulnerable to a SUDI. So let's think about that. Our two steps, we've got our prem baby who's now, you know, two months old. Okay, that's that's an overlap there. The third part of the triple risk model is exogenous stress or an exposure to an outside stress. Now, this is something that a parent can modify. So that's things like, you know, if the baby was accidentally put to sleep on their belly or a baby was overlaid by bedclothes or if a baby were to be overheated because they went to sleep with a beanie on their head. So, it's the exogenous stress or the third part of that model that parents can really, um, I guess, control 
you know, in, in for want of a better word. So if I talk you through the model one more time, perhaps we have our, our small for gestational age baby who is now two months old, who has been exposed to an exogenous stress, accidentally put to bed with a beanie on and a blanket's covered its face. Those three elements have overlapped. Greatest risk of a sudden unexplained death occurring in that situation. Fantastic, Jane. And I know myself or ourselves as um, child and family health nurses, parents will often ask us lots of questions and we go out and we, we visit them in the home on like how do they set the cot up safely and, and you know, should they use a swaddle or wrap or how about a porter cot? So perhaps if you could talk us through what Red Nose recommends in this situation. Yep, absolutely. So setting up a cot safely is extremely important and what parents need to remember is that little babies are simple little creatures they don't need a lot of fancy products you know anything that you add to a cot or a a sleep space is a risk that you're adding to that baby so we want to keep the area lovely and and clear and simple because remember it's that airway it's it's keeping that airway as clear as we possibly can so you're you're choosing a cot that meets Australian standards for safety we want to make sure that the cot uh, mattress itself is firm and flat and well fitted and clean never on a tilt always flat again it's about that airway we want to make sure that we don't add any extra layering to the mattress to make it softer Um, so that's no lamb's wool that's no folded blankets or anything like that that could potentially create an added risk to that baby. We absolutely don't want to use bumpers or anything like that in the cot either. No soft toys. It all sounds very um, boring and non-Instagram worthy, doesn't it? It's yeah. all very plain and simple, <laughs> yeah. but that's how we no. that's how we keep our children absolutely safe. So in terms of the sleep space, that's what we need to be doing. Absolutely keeping it nice and clear and simple and obviously Australian standards for safety. When it comes to you know deciding whether you're going to wrap your baby or or use a sleeping bag. You know, wrapping or swaddling is a beautiful way to settle your baby off to sleep and it can also provide, from a SIDS perspective, a bit of stability in keeping that baby on their back. It's also a culturally valued practice in Australia to wrap babies from birth, you know, and it really helps with that that moro reflex, that startle reflex that many parents will be quite familiar with, which is a, a normal neurological, physiological action that babies are doing and it really is just an um, indication of, a, of an immature brain and it bothers parents more than it actually bothers the baby but we do you know like to wrap the babies it's not going to stop the reflex but it will absolutely just stop those arms flailing around anyway and that reflex tends to disappear at around eight weeks maybe 10 weeks for for some babies and that's when you would consider perhaps transitioning your baby into a sleeping bag with the arms free. So, you know, it can be very tempting with lots of items on the market, you know, cocoon-like, womb-like, really zipping babies up with their arms in. And the red nose perspective on that is absolutely, that's just a no-go. You're far better to you know, choose a a lightweight fabric, a muslin or a cotton if you want to wrap your baby. And the midwives will teach you this in hospital. Um, You know, you've got plenty of support around you. You know, this is a simple being that just needs um, some simple strategies to help them off to sleep. So when choosing a sleeping bag, always choose one with the arms out and they can have their arms out from birth. It's absolutely of no, no problem at all. But we would advocate that Um, sleeping bags are used 
just prior to a baby um, approaching the developmental milestone of rolling. So you'll find that when you're playing on the floor and you're doing lots of tummy time, you know, or um, we're becoming a bit more mobile in our bassinet or our cot, you might think, oh, okay, I think we're going to be rolling in the next little while. That's when you pop them into their bag. No, absolutely. (laughs) We get lots of questions around wrapping and and swaddling and I think from parents get quite scared about the fact that oh if I take their arms out they're going to wake up all night so we we say to them it that has to absolutely be as soon as you see that they're starting to roll or you know they've even before that when they've lost Mm. that moro reflex that startle Mm. reflex arms absolutely out and and move to a a wearable sleeping bag that and then you have nothing else in the cot you really don't don't need need bedding Mm. You know, and what I find a little bit disappointing as a midwife is that, and you know, it's for, it's no fault of the parents whatsoever. They are absolutely bombarded in every direction with products, and suddenly wrapping becomes this complicated, mysterious, you know, mothercraft practice, mm. and it's it's so simple. And it's not hard. And, and when, um, you know, I talk to parents at Expos and, and Cindy, you'd be the same. You yeah. know, they come to you and they, they want to know how to do it and you just show them how to wrap a baby and they go, oh, and they have success straight away. Like mm. it's, a, it's, it's not a hard thing to achieve. So, you know, parents need to have a bit of confidence in themselves. You know, you don't need to buy the latest gadget or you don't need to buy the latest, you know, fantastic zip strap straight jackety looking thing just to keep your baby asleep you just need to wrap them safely making sure their face and head is uncovered give them a cuddle make sure they're fed and dry and give them some love wouldn't you agree yeah and place them in the cot so they're really on nice their and back safe. <laughs> and with their feet at the end I think that's really important as yeah. well that because parents often put the swaddle on and then think oh they look really nice positioned in the middle of the cot it's absolutely not we need their feet towards the end of the cot as well so Mm. very important but they will you will get shown all this in hospital so a lot of parents you know thinking oh how am I going to do this trust us you will be able to do this Mm. really no problems and also you know out in the community you go home with this gorgeous little baby and you know you have this oh my goodness like what do I do with this little person it does there's no book like what but you have community midwives community nurses maternal and child health nurses that come and they hold your hand every step of the way. There is no expectation to remember every single thing at every single moment. There's plenty of phone numbers that you can call that you will be connected with when you're in hospital. You know, you'll you'll leave hospital with a, a pretty full toolkit, I would imagine. So looking at safe sleep and settling together, why is it so important to ensure we not only have safe sleeping education but also settling strategies? Yeah, safe sleeping and settling are just go one hand in hand you can't have one without the other and what we find is is that you know in situations where parents think um, you know they're very very worried about their baby getting sleep and getting enough sleep oh my goodness you know they often will say I don't feel like they're getting enough sleep and then what will happen they really will go to all lengths to to make sure that their baby sleeps this can include things like putting them in in the car and sleeping and that is a position that is often very much as Jane was saying in that C position so you know we don't encourage babies to be taken out in the car for sleeps also in prams be very very careful it's not a position for sleeping prams are not made for sleeping for babies they're there for transport so parents need to be really mindful of that um, as well and also that 
C position. And a C position is the easiest thing to describe that if a parent, you know, if you put your chin on your chest and try to breathe, it really is quite difficult. And that's exactly the position we do not want to have our babies in. So when it comes to having the strategies for settling, it's really vital because if parents don't understand their little baby and the particular age and stage and how to settle them, they might then use some unsafe practices. And one of the ones that we see a lot is that parents are quite reluctant to give up the wrap. They want to keep those arms in because, you know, if I take their arms out, they're going to wake all night. And, you know, parents parents only do what they do. They, they never want to harm their baby. They are really always out there to try to do the best thing for their parents. But this is a real no-no because if a baby um, has lost their startle or that moro reflex or certainly has commenced rolling, they cannot have their arms in. So therefore swaddling a baby with arms in is so unsafe. And so parents will go I don't really want to give that up because you know I can't be up all night or you know I've got to go to work and they're worried for the waking the other children in the house so we um, as health professionals and at Safe Sleep Space and Red Nose will help our parents to settle so if you've got the strategies no it's okay take their arms out will show you how to settle the baby and in our other podcasts we'll be talking about that the art of settling but you definitely can't have one without the other and um, Jane I know you'll put you'll probably talk about things too in um, parents like blankets and bedding and you know they always want to make sure that the baby's not too hot as well so mm. that that will often see as well as part of the settling. I actually find when I um, take phone calls from parents right around the country biggest thing is that they're worried about the babies being too cold mm, and yeah. I just you know and oh, I'm just worried you know the hands and feet are cold and their little noses are cold and you know what's really important to remember is that you know babies hands and feet are quite often cold because mm, always often yeah mm. yeah because mm. they're you know they're they're, centri- they're keeping their um, central system nice and warm. Their blood flow is there. And if you wanted to, um, if you're concerned about your baby's temperature, you can just place your hand gently on their tummy or on their back. It should feel too hot or sweaty um, and, it, and it certainly shouldn't feel too cold. So don't be concerned about cold noses and cold hands. Um, but that's the beauty of a safe sleeping bag. I mean, it's a it's the bedding in one. Mm. You know, you don't need extra bedding and no, you just... No extra blankets or yeah. anything. So you select um, a TOG, a thermal overall grade, that's ideal for the uh, the temperature of the room that you're sleeping a child in. I think one of the only other things that we often get asked is, is um, you know, their parents are often mobile and out and about. So using porticots, what what do we recommend from Red Nose here with porticots? Yes, porticots are um, an excellent way to sleep baby when you're on holidays. Uh, and porticots sold in Australia do meet Australian standards for safety. But what's really important is that parents don't give in to the temptation of making the mattress softer. So no extra mattresses on top of the mattress that comes with the porticot. You know, it's met Australian safety standards in the form that it is. So yes, the mattress is very thin and it is very hard, but it's really, really important that we don't make that surface softer. Again, it's because, you know, we don't want a baby to inadvertently roll for the first time unobserved, find itself on its tummy with a face pressed into a soft surface. What we know about little babies, particularly up to five months of age is that they're predominantly nose breathers when they sleep so you know again you know parents remember the airway that we spoke about earlier it's always about the airway and the airway starts at the nose so keeping the nose and the mouth 
free of any potential obstruction is really, really important. Always making sure when you use a port cot or if you've borrowed one that it's in good working condition, that all the locks are working properly, that there are no rips and tears, that, you know, um, an accident could occur when your baby put their hand through it or um, a head, God forbid, that mm. occur or anything like that. And certainly, you know, when you go on holidays, ring up the hotel, find out if they do have a port cot Quite often I, I just used to bring my own. You know, yeah. for safety. But also yeah. my children knew their porticot. They slept better. Yeah. They know their space. They do. Yeah. Absolutely. Really good. So parents yeah. often worry about their baby getting a flat head from sleeping on their back. Are the products that are sold in stores safe to use? This is a huge question and, and really for parents, you really need to be mindful that just because something is sold in a, a baby shop or store across the country or in your country around the world, it doesn't mean that it is safe. All the evidence points to ensuring that parents work within the, the six steps so uh, of providing that safe environment, the safe sleeping steps, but the environment is essential. So things like um, I, I saw the other day, and I'm sure, Jane, you see lots of things mm. too, but there's little pillows there for four-month-old babies. Now, that is absolutely, we never put a pillow in a cot at all. Um, babies do not need pillows. The back of their head, as we talked about before, their occiput is like a little inbuilt pillow. So, you know, they don't need a pillow. So this is extremely unsafe. And mm. parents get worried about, you know, their baby's going to get a flat head. So I better put something supportive behind it. Again, they just want to make sure their baby is looking good and comfortable. But flat heads or plagic heavily is the term that we use with this is, is quite common. And if you have a baby they're sleeping on their back once a baby is mobile that is they're crawling or they're then able to roll or you will see them crawling around the floor that flat head believe me it, it really does not stay in that position for very very long and it will it will mold out and it's just mm. the soft little craniofacial uh, uh, parts of the baby's head that do that so mm. yeah. but also you know when baby's awake play with your baby on the floor mm. supervise tummy time get the baby off the back of its head as much as you possibly mm. can and that will really help with that as well but touching back on um, the anatomy that I spoke about and that you know that large head and that soft neck remember I I did mention that um babies already with that anatomy that they are born with are already predisposed to, you know, a sleep, the potential for a sleep accident. So we have a gentle flexion, so a gentle tilting down of the chin anyway. Just think about it. If we add a pillow to that, we're exacerbating that flexion and we're really, um, we're potentially occluding an airway on the inside and we can't see it. It's that yeah. C position again. Yeah. Pillows can also become displaced and, you know, find themselves over the face of the baby. Remember I mentioned earlier that babies, um, especially young babies up to five months of age, predominantly nose breathers when they sleep. Well, that's yeah. an absolute disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 not the parent's fault when they see these products out there. And, of course, you want the best for your baby. You always do. And there's a lot of emotion attached to the marketing of these products. Mm. But they're just not needed. Babies are simple little creatures. And we just need to think simply about how... We keep them safe and how we keep their airways lovely and clear. clear. What about the idea of co-sleeping or bed sharing? What, what is this and why is it important for parents to understand the potential risks involved in it? 
Yeah, well, actually, Cindy and I can both talk to this yeah, um, yeah. quite evenly. But um, certainly, you know, just to clear up some definitions, first of all, about bed sharing. Bed sharing is is when you bring a baby onto a sleep surface that is shared where the, where the uh, potential for co-sleeping can happen with parents. And co-sleeping really um, is defined as mum and dad being asleep on the same surface as the baby. And this is a really hot topic. Uh, it certainly mm-hmm. does create quite a lot of um, mm. conversation, certainly across the red nose. Um, social network as well um, between parents and um, certainly even between the states. We know that um, there are very different health directives in terms of whether a state will take a risk elimination approach where they Mm. teach parents absolutely not, do not co-sleep ever. Uh, But there are states that say, well, actually, we're going to take the risk minimisation approach. We're going to accept the fact that parents are doing it Mm -hmm. at some stage and how can we keep them safe? And that's certainly the perspective of Red Nose and we've we've held that for a very long time. So our approach is risk minimisation and that's... Mm -hmm. That's come from the research. So there was a a large infant care practice study that was conducted in Queensland that showed that up to 75% of parents were co-sleeping with their babies within that first one to three months of age. And of that 75%, 57% of them did it unintentionally. So perhaps they were just trying to settle this baby. They just need to get sleep. And then 46% of them did it intentionally so that was part of their sleeping strategy now they're big numbers I would I would argue that actually there's more I think loads of parents are doing it and they're just too embarrassed to say and certainly when I'm out there speaking with parents and I'll say oh you know have you heard of red nose have you heard of the six safe sleep recommendations and they'll say oh I co-sleep so yeah no it doesn't and it's like okay well you co-sleep let me show you how to do that safely or um how you know let me give you some tools on how you know you can do your co-sleeping yeah. safely and all of that. And, and as I think ourselves in child and family health, we get exactly the same questions, and it is that risk elimination versus risk minimisation. And I think culturally, we need to be really respective of of where families, you know, have been doing this for many, many, many years. And as Jane's saying, if we can help our parents and 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 give them some steps, if you like, for yeah how to, if they would choose this, it's it's the parent's choice, but very, very safely. So, mm. so things like, you know, you wouldn't ever do, uh, co-sleep with a, with a child if you're under the influence of any alcohol or certainly smoking or, you know, very overweight and... Or prescription medication yeah, that's made drugs. you less aware, you yeah. know, those sorts of things. Um, you'd never sleep your baby in between both parents because, again, that you know, there's the potential for an airway obstruction there, but also your baby can overheat. That's a, a known risk factor of SIDS, so we want always want a baby on one side of a parent, you know, tying long hair up, uh, making sure that there's no adult bedding anywhere near that baby that could potentially obstruct that airway or, or again, overheat a baby, making sure that your little baby isn't wrapped in that situation you know let it be in its own sleeping bag yeah Yeah. it doesn't need its bedding it just needs its its sleeping bag so when should a parent move their baby or toddler from a cot to a bed well I believe you know they need to make sure that the baby is emotionally ready 
for one, and I'm sure Cindy would agree with that one, but yeah. also physically able to be in a, a sleep space like that. So quite often, you know, when parents are deciding when they're going to move their babies from the cot to the bed, it might be because there's another baby coming and we need the cot, we need to get the toddler out quickly. So it might happen a bit sooner than it should. Mm. But more often than not, it's usually about, you know, when, you're, when you've observed your child, you know, attempting to climb out of the cot and they look to be just about to be successful in jumping out, that's the time to be doing it. Um, and of course, you know, making sure that whatever it is that you transition them into, whether it's a mattress on the floor or a toddler bed or a single bed, that it is still a safe sleep space. You know, we still have a, a juvenile airway to take care of. It's perhaps not quite as, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, vulnerable. Vulnerable mm. as the newborn, but it's still there. So we have to still have those kind of, those principles in the back of our mind about safety. And of course, securing cur- curtain cords and, and things like that, making sure that the, the mobiles are completely out of reach of a child that's moved into um, a bed or a toddler bed. Obviously thinking a little bit outside the square now. So things like essential oils or, you know, massage oil or medicines all packed away. If a child's going to be able to get out of its sleep space, the environment that it's going to be finding itself in needs to be safe as well. So we need to kind of think a bit more broadly. Yeah, that's one of the things that yeah. parents will say. And we say, you know, get down at their height and and see what they're looking at. So they've jumped out of bed now because they can mm. and see what's there. You might not even see what that obstacle is or something they can trip or fall on or mm. injure their, you know, themselves. So it really is about making sure that whole environment is, is, is absolutely safe. So, um, Jane and Cindy, final tips for parents on safe sleeping and settling. Um, so well, quite obviously the Red Nose 6 safe sleep recommendations. First and foremost, have those in your mind. Touch base with Red Nose. Listen to your maternal and child health nurse. You know, Always sleep your baby on their back from birth, face and head uncovered in their own safe sleep space. That safe sleep space in the parent's bedroom for the first 6 to 12 months of life obviously keeping babies smoke-free. Again, it's about the airway. It's about your baby's airway, both when your baby was on the inside and the outside, uh, and to breastfeed baby. You know, these are proven to be effective in reducing SIDS in this country by 85%. And yes, you know, the numbers aren't as huge as they used to be, but the numbers are still there. And if we take our our foot off the the pedal for a moment, those numbers are just going to go straight back up. Um, So really always just look at these little beautiful little babies and think, gosh, you know, you really are a simple little being. I need to keep this really simple and I need to keep you really safe. And I think also just remember from us, uh, we would say that the sleep needs do vary, you know, from all their developmental milestones. But know that you've got so many people out there to help you. Always check in with your GP, your child health nurse. We've got support lines, 24-hour lines. Make sure that if you're ever unsure about anything to do with the sleep and settling, that you you do check in. And essential that you always know not only the safe sleeping six steps, but also know your settling strategies in a very responsive way. We want you to be able to provide a safe sleep environment that meets the physical and the emotional needs of our babies. And having those settling steps to go with the safe sleeping is essential. So we would say that, you know, there's lots Lots of tips and advice on both the Red Nose site and our Safe Sleep Space websites for you to go to as well. Jane, Mm. thank you for joining us today on the For Sleep's Sake podcast. Thank you for having me. It It was a pleasure. It was wonderful. Thank you. For Sleep's Sake is brought to you by Nourish Baby. Safe sleep space and sleep smart.